And welcome back to another episode of the Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. This week, Tim and Ty are going to be joined by Ryan Thomas of the Thomas Takes Sports Podcast, as well as the Crowd Assist Podcast. Ty, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? Uh, should be a great episode. We'll talk a little Buffalo, a uh, little Bills, little Digs. It'll be a great episode. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. It's the wire. It's the wire. D. Griffey. Griffey. This the wire. Serving up a hot take. Around the league, serving jams like a hot plate. Who's the flex? First pick. Rounds four to eight. Trading with the base. That's Superman. We need a cape. This that fantasy. See who get the glory. Who's gonna stay up in their lane talking Tory? Who's gonna ride up on the train with a hype at? Yeah, you wanna start them, but matches, you might not like that. Three tutties next week, many's double covered. Takes on a hundred coming out the oven. Tim and Ty, they the guys, know you gotta love them. Take your pick, do it quick, they on fire. The wire. All right, and welcome. Ryan, we want to welcome you to the pod. Thank you, Tim and Tyler. Thanks for having me. This will be fun. Yeah, so as we discussed in the intro, um, you have two podcasts of your own. One is the Thomas Takes Sports podcast, and the other is the Crowd Assist podcast with Trainwreck Sports. Yes, yeah. my, My podcast that I started the Thomas Take Sports Podcast. They started that about five years ago. And that podcast, I dive into all things sports, um, mainly football, baseball, and also combat sports, which would be MMA and boxing, um, recapping maybe the Saturday, this past Saturday night's uh, UFC card, uh, or maybe the last big boxing fight as well. Um, fantasy football takes for, for all the fantasy football fanatics out there, as well as um, covering the Buffalo Bills a little bit with some Bills takes, some baseball takes, even though baseball and hockey aren't going on right now. Uh, hockey is really big in the Buffalo area as well, even though the Sabres have been pretty lackadaisical for like the last 10 years, but we'll skip past that. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> but uh, I've, I've, it's been a, it's been rough covering the Sabres on the, on the podcast. That's for sure. But um the Crowd Assist podcast as well, um, myself and, and my co-host Kevin Masari, uh, we dive into uh, the Buffalo Bills. We go really deep into one Bills drive and um, cover the team, um, you know, basically from zero, se- zero minutes and zero seconds to 45 minutes, whether it's the NFL draft, the free agents that they've brought in this past offseason, um, covering the coach Sean McDermott and the uh, moves that he has made since he was hired a few years back and um, it, it's been a really fun journey uh, in this city of Buffalo. It's one of the best sports cities in the country with the greatest, I think the greatest fan base in, in the world, to be honest, I might be a little bit biased be. in saying that oh, because see? I have Buffalo blue and gold and Buffalo red and blue in me, but I, I've, I'm well-traveled. I, I've traveled a lot and and I still have not found a better yeah, fan you know, base. We see it every two times a year uh, pregame. The Bills Mafia does not mess around. And we, we do give credit. You guys do have a fantastic fan base. Um, and to be honest with you, um, I think Sean McDermott is one of the better coaches in the NFL. I really do. I think he sh- deserves coach of the year last year. Oh, without a doubt. A lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people in Buffalo would agree, but there's definitely a lot to that that has the people that maybe not be the biggest Buffalo Bills fan ag- agree with you on that. And I'm, I'm happy to hear that from a, from a Patriots uh, you, No, we, 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 we recognize it. We do. Without a doubt. He does so mm-hmm. much with, with so little and developing a young quarterback and building that defense to what it is. He, he's done an excellent job with that team. They're one of my favorite teams to watch. Oh, yeah. You may think because we're in the same division that we hate each other. To be honest with you, it's more of a like last year when we got knocked out of the playoffs. The we went to a sports bar close to our house, and everybody was rooting for the Bills. Everybody was rooting for the Bills. It's just like it was, it, wow. we we really do a we have a little bit of a secondary like for the Bills when when it's when the Patriots aren't on and the Patriots let's say the Patriots get knocked out of the playoffs and the Bills are in it. We'll we'll root for you. We're not going to be Bills fans, but. We'll root for you. We, we want to see the underdog and the, the under-recognized, you know, take over. 
I appreciate that, man. I, I appreciate that. I really appreciate that. That took me by surprise, to be quite honest with you. But it's is it sort of you guys liking to carry the AFC East torch? You know, if the Patriots are out of it, you'll root for the team that's no. still in the AFC nope. East. If the, if the Jets okay. are in it, okay. no way. <laughs> okay, that's, that, that makes me no, feel yeah. better. If the Jets win the division <laughs> and they're in the playoffs, I hope they get knocked out and they get beat by 30. It's just... So you notice you, you don't even have to think about Miami. You yeah, just, you just Miami doesn't even yeah, get into that. that. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a great uh, three three years now. He's entering his, his fourth season as the head coach of the Bills, and really the tone was set right away. I mean, I've seen a lot of Buffalo Bills head coaches come in and out of the out of the organization, whether it's Rex Ryan with all of his guarantees and Doug Marone, who quit on the team, Shan Gailey, Dick Duran, Mike Malarkey, all these just retread coaches coming through, um, coordinators turned head coaches that, that weren't up to snuff. And I, I thought, oh, here we go. They hire Sean McDermott, and they unveil him to the press, to the media in Buffalo. And he, I, I knew there was something different about him. It, it's really hard to describe. Um but the man has conviction and, and he has belief in, in not just himself, but he's able to get the players to believe in him, which I think is the true uh, essence of what makes what makes a coach great. Um, much like Bill Belichick, these guys have bought into Bill Belichick for, for over 20 years, uh, whether he was with the Giants or the Patriots. Um, and, and that's what McDermott has been able to do over the course of his career as a defensive coach, as, as well as the head coach of the Bills. So I couldn't be more thankful that uh, the Bills did hire Sean McDermott, as well as their GM, Brandon Bean. Uh, I mean, he has done a phenomenal job as well. And oddly enough, that most of the time NFL teams hire the GM and then the coach. But with Buffalo, it was the coach and the GM. Sean McDermott actually brought Brandon Bean from Carolina to Buffalo. Um, I, I've always found that fascinating as they worked together for, you know, five, six years in Carolina together. So um, it, it's just a dynamic duo in Buffalo and, and we're seeing it here and, and slowly, you know, the NFL has started to see it as well. NFL analysts have seen it honest, as well. I think a lot of people undervalue how important that connection is between the general manager and the head coach, especially when it comes to player evaluations and building the team towards what the coach wants it and sees as his vision. Um it makes all the difference, and I think that's why you're starting to see a lot, of, a lot of teams going to the head coach being the general manager, like a Belichick or something of that sort. So you got lucky with that they cooperate and work so well together. Oh yeah, and and I think you know to say that we were lucky is is an understatement because this franchise has just undergone so many changes over the last you know the 17 year playoff drought, especially. Um, there was a lot of changes and it goes back to the last time this franchise had any sort of dominance um, was in that early 90s run, which was an unprecedented early 90s NFL history making run. They went to four straight Super Bowls. They lost all four in a row, which obviously that that's not the, the side of the coin that you want to be on. But nobody has gone to four straight Super Bowls in a row since. I don't know if any other team ever will. And they were led by Bill Polian, who's a Pro Football Hall of Famer, as well as Pro Football Hall of Fame coach Marv Levy. So um, I can't say enough about Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the vision that they've laid out for this team. And so far, so good. It's uh, it, It's been a process trusting the process, yeah. and it'll be interesting to see what happens. No, I, I, I agree. Um, and it, it is definitely a different dynamic when you have – the head coach come in first and then the general manager. Typically you have the general manager who builds the roster. He wants the head coach that's going to ha want the same scheme, but no, they, they, they got their guy and their head coach. And then they tried finding a fit after that, which is, you know, backwards according to most NFL teams, but you know, where let's, let's just do a quick plug for you. Where can they find you on social media? On social media, um, on Twitter, uh, my Twitter is at Ryan Thomas take um, very active on Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, I've found Instagram to be really entertaining. I like to post um, not just, you know, the regular Instagram posts, but I like to post on my story as well. I could be at the car wash. I could be um, waiting for my pizza order. Just posting a quick sports take never hurts anybody. Right. Especially when it's about the Buffalo bills or any, um, sports topic, really, people have been able to tune into it, and that's helped 
grow uh, myself, uh, whether it's the Thomas Take Sports Podcast or or just my name in general uh, in this area. And um, the Buffalo people really rally around one another. And uh, it, it's been an experience. So um, anybody that wants to follow me on there, um, on Twitter, at Ryan Thomas Take, on Instagram, at Ryan Thomas Take as well. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so uh, let's jump right into the Bills. Um, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, let's talk about the free agency first before we jump into digs. Um, of course, you know it looks like you, it, to, to me, you guys had a, a very, very good defense last year. I mean, you flew around the field. You, Tremaine Edwards is a great guy in the middle. You, you have Tre'Davious White, who is arguably the best. Well, I would, I would personally put him as the second best corner in the NFL behind Gilmore. Um, <laughs> And no, and and that's that's actually not even a job. I just personally think he. No, yeah, I understand. But I understand. But yeah. you added two more corners to go along with him. You added Josh Norman, who's going to bring that toughness on the other side, and then EJ Gaines, who's probably going to be your slot corner. Um, looks like you guys really went defense heavy, adding three other D linemen before even getting to the draft. Um, D tackle Vernon Butler. DN Mario Ad, uh, Addison and then Quentin Jefferson as a defensive tackle. Yeah, they they definitely know the defensive side of the ball more. I would say as well. I wouldn't say they know the defensive side of the ball more. Let me take a step back. I would say they are more comfortable with adding on the defensive side of the ball, and I think it goes back to the fact that Sean McDermott was a defensive backs coach in Philly under Andy Reid as well as a defensive coordinator when the late, great Jim Johnson passed. And then when he went to Carolina, he was the defensive coordinator there when they went 15-1. and one. Josh Norman was on that team. Mario Addison was on that team um, as well. You know, the Jefferson from Seattle, he's a, a huge addition, I think, to the rotational depth that um, Sean McDermott likes to have at the defensive line. They like to rotate defensive ends, defensive tackles. Most teams do. But when watching the Buffalo Bills as, as closely as I do, there are a few coaches that do it as often, almost to a science, like Sean McDermott does. If you go and watch that tape, you'd be shocked. It's almost like a uh, baseball manager putting the righty in against the lefty or the lefty in against mm-hmm. the righty. It's it's very interesting seeing Sean McDermott use that that ability to to rotate these defensive linemen. And among all the additions that they made in this free agency period, they had a big departure on their team, and it was Lorenzo Alexander. He was an outside linebacker for Buffalo these last four years, and he really filled in and, and came out of nowhere as this um, cast off, mm-hmm. essentially. And they put him right at outside linebacker, and he played very well for Buffalo for four years with different head coaches, with different schemes, never skipped a beat. And he retired this past season, and they replaced him with A.J. Klein, who uh, was a linebacker for Carolina as well as the Saints. That's the move that really got me excited um, in terms of losing one player. And you'll never, you're never going to replace Lorenzo Alexander. He was a natural-born leader in that locker room. Um, but A.J. Klein is, is pretty close to Lorenzo Alexander. They have a lot of the same skill sets, but... I would say AJ Klein is is probably the most underrated free agent signing that they had. Yeah, season. no, I agree. Uh, you know, and you can argue that you, you know that defensive line is eight deep, especially oh, sure. you know yeah, without even they, taking into consideration Trent Murphy and you know Starla Tulaye, Ed Ed Oliver, Jerry Hughes, and then they spent their second round pick on AJ Espineza. Who we really like coming into the draft. Right. Too. Oh, we love him. I think he's a first round talent. And you yeah. got him at 54. Right. And when you looked at the draft, too, you know, I, I was really um, happy that they made the moves that they did to get the, the Stefan Diggs. And we'll talk about that, obviously, as the show goes on. But, you know, trading that first round pick away, I, I love when my team has a first round pick. It just adds so much more intrigue into the draft. But, to know that I waited for my team, the Buffalo Bills, to pick at 54, and they selected A.J. Epinesa, um, I didn't expect him to be there. I thought he'd be gone at the very latest in the early 40s. And for him to be there 54th overall, everything that I've heard from A.J. Epinesa and anybody that has coached him or that knows him, um, he was very, very emotional 
about the fact that he fell the 54th overall. And those are the stories that you love to hear. Um, if you're the, if you're the team that drafted him, you love to hear the fact that that player has a massive chip on his shoulder. And that goes back to obviously the goat, the guy, Tom Brady being a six round pick. Uh, those stories are awesome for not just um, the team that drafts that player, but for the NFL, if that player just so happens to pan out and be a superstar. So I'm really looking forward to that. And that's another addition by subtraction or, or subtraction by addition, I should say. Shaq Lawson goes to Miami. They replaced him with A.J. Epinesa. It's almost as if any player that walked out of one Bills drive was replaced with, on paper and financially, a better alternative. And that says a lot. You know, Shaq Lawson was pretty good this past year for Buffalo, but the value of getting a starting defensive end on a rookie contract uh, for, with a second-round pick is massive long-term to the Buffalo Bills and a, set, and a team that has – Plenty of cap space, but they're going to have to use that cap space eventually on players that they have to resign, like Trey White, Matt Milano, Edmonds, and you know. A I few think the other thing that the people yeah. aren't really recognizing is, yeah, you guys went and got Epineza, and it'll be a great addition. But Addison also is going to be a big deal on the end for you guys. Fill that pass rush role. I mean, with him, I think he had nine and a half sacks or nine sacks. So it almost matched your your highest sack leader last year. Um, so you don't really need Epineza to come in and be to be this all-star right off the back where you you can kind of let him develop and learn at the same time too. And you still have that, like you say, in that rotational depth where you can kind of bring these guys in and out and still have that fresh rush. Right. And with Mario Addison too, the, the last four years of his career have been extremely productive. And, and I think um, wondering if he's got another two years like that, if he does, that that is a huge signing for Buffalo. If he can put together another two straight years of production like that, that is a, a slam dunk for Buffalo. Uh, if if not, let's just say worst case scenario, he's a leader to the locker room. He understands Sean McDermott. He understands the process. That's what Sean McDermott always talks about a lot. And people on the outside looking in wonder what the heck Sean McDermott's talking about when they say that. But you see the process playing itself out with the guys that they've brought in, even going back to the first first round draft choice that they had in the McDermott era, which was Trey White. Um, that one was one that they traded out of 10, which that pick ended up being Pat Mahomes. And they trade back into the late 20s and they take Trey White. And Trey White, to me, was was a really good corner coming out of the draft. But Sean McDermott and his scheme made him a superstar corner in this league. And, and before mentioned, as Tim mentioned, arguably one of the best two corners in the league. You could take your pick between him and Gilmore. He's, oh, yeah. He's right it's, up there. It's, there's not much so, of a gap there. Right, right. So the eye for talent for McDermott has been huge. And, and bringing in a quality vet like Mario Addison, that, that was another solid. Without a doubt. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, another key loss you guys had is, you know, you're, you're Jordan Phillips left for the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. He led your team in sacks with nine and a half. Typically, you don't have that many coming out of your defensive tackle spot. But again, in pass rush situations, I see Epineza being able in a nickel or a dime look, being able to go inside as a three technique and pass rush against guards because, you know, he is 6'5", 275. So he does have, you know, the girth to be in there, but he also has the speed to take advantage of a good matchup on the inside. And I think Sean McDermott sees that too. I, I think that will be a factor, you know, depending on the offensive package that they're going up against. Um, the before mentioned player um, that you mentioned was Jordan Phillips. I, I have a very interesting take on Jordan Phillips and it, and it kind of goes within the lines of is the player worth it or is it worth seeing this player? Is he replaceable um, based on dollars and cents? And Jordan Phillips did have a phenomenal season last year. I really liked him. Um, anytime he would make a big play, he would pump up the volume of the crowd, pump up the team, whether they were home or away. And the Bills fan base pretty well-traveled. So when that well-traveled fan base was in Nashville and it was pretty much taking up over half the stadium, Jordan Phillips was able to let that crowd erupt, which was great. Um, but the dollars and cents agreement that he signed with the Arizona Cardinals, good for him. I wish him the best of luck. But playing alongside Ed Oliver 
allowed Jordan Phillips to get the majority of the looks that he did or lack thereof. Ed Oliver was being double teamed uh, quite often. And when he wasn't being double teamed, um, Ed Oliver would, would create his own double team. <laughs> Eventually, as he rushed through the middle of the line, you know, someone would try to help out their teammate and Jordan Phillips would be left free to, to run. So I think um, whoever plays within that Jordan Phillips role, there's another guy on this team that has been on the team for the last couple of years that I think will actually fill that role really well. And that's Harrison Phillips, who was drafted on a Nebraska, who was out the entire season last year due to a ACL injury. If he comes in and, and takes the spot of Jordan Phillips, um, I expect him to have the same type of production that Jordan Phillips did for a much lesser cost. No, that's it, it's a good take. Um, now, how, how do you feel about the Vernon Butler signing? It's a high risk, or it's a low risk, high reward signing, I would say. Um, and especially, you know, it goes to the, you know, we see a couple of these moves with Sean McDermott going out and getting former Carolina Panther players. Um, he knows what they've done in Carolina and he knows what they've done since he actually left Carolina because him and Ron Rivera have a really tight relationship. Um, now Rivera's moved on to Washington and even Rivera's tried to pluck some guys off of the Panthers as well um, from that, from that Panthers team that he coached for a few years. But I think it's a, a low risk, high reward signing. It's an opportunity to see what he has left and can Sean McDermott maximize his talent. It's a similar question that we'll have answered soon uh, with Josh Norman as well. So um, just another one of those low risk, high reward moves. He wasn't too expensive. He was a first-round talent um, that hasn't really panned out. But who's to say that the second go-around he doesn't? Without a doubt, I think you guys really did go out and make a lot of good moves in free agency. And like I'm saying, now we haven't even got to the draft yet, and I think your defense is already significantly better. Like we're saying with Norman, now you have that second corner. Gaines can be that third guy for you if you needed. You've got the pass rush. You've got the the rotation. You've I, I believe you guys added some some depth in the line. I, I think you guys have set yourself up um, really well through free agency for sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Yeah, it's it's definitely been a busy offseason for sure for Buffalo, no doubt about it. And it's nice to see the Bills really add on and, and go for broke with some of the moves that they've made even prior to the draft um, going out and getting for Stephon sure. Diggs as well. Yeah. Um, so – Let's jump into Dicks. What do you think about the move? Let's do it. <laughs> so, can I give you my take first? So, yeah, give me your take. That's what I was just going to ask you because I, I know uh, you were chomping at the bit. Yeah, I've water. I've been waiting to talk to somebody about it. Um, so the thing with Diggs for me is you, you every single fan base would be excited to get a player of his of his caliber of his you know ability and talent everything he's one of mm-hmm. the better route runners he's arguably a top five route runner in the nfl he's explosive he, he catches the ball he, he's one of the top wideouts in the nfl my concern is the fit with josh allen and okay last year i think you guys had a very very good thing going with john brown um again i don't there's no way Diggs mm-hmm. hurts your team but i just fantasy wise i'm scared of stefan diggs you are you scared of stefan diggs not because of his ability but because and he's on because a new team? of josh allen that, okay all right well he, here's the thing tim um i'll let yeah, you was that was that your take, take or i didn't want to interrupt it. that's that's your take okay so I always am a little bit suspicious for fantasy reasons to take a player that goes to a new team right away. I completely ignored myself this past year's fantasy draft when I took Odell Beckham Jr. as a new Cleveland Brown. And and boy, do I wish I would have listened to my heart and avoided drafting him because he was pitiful for fantasy football fans, for fantasy football owners. Um, But back to, you know, diving into digs and and how this will fit. The reason to me, why in the AFC wildcard round, the Bills had a 16 to nothing lead against the Houston Texans in Houston. 
And as I said earlier, the, the well-traveled Buffalo Bills fans, I don't know a single friend of mine that didn't try to make it to that game or that made it to that game. It, 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 you would either you know try like hell to make it there or you made it there, one of the two. And they had that 16-0 lead. It blew up in their face. They ended up losing that game. The first thing that I thought on my way home, driving from um, the place that I watched the game at one of my uh, friend's houses, actually, um, was, man, what would this team look like if they had a number one wide receiver? If they had a consensus, Mm. DeAndre Hopkins, who was playing for the Texans at the time, uh, a Stefan Diggs, uh, uh, just a high caliber. I think we have the same take on this. And I think Tim's going to be the oddball out. Right. So they go out. It's so weird. Like as a fan, you want them to get that wide receiver one. That was my first thought after that game, which ended their season, man, they need to go out and get that wide receiver one. They go out, make a trade for Stefan Diggs. And when I saw the trade, my first thought after that was they gave up too much. So damned if they do damned, if they don't, I thought they gave up too many draft picks to acquire that player. But I personally told myself that they really needed that player months prior to that. So. I'm going to take the fact that they went out, got that wide receiver one. And I think what makes this move so interesting and which actually I think will be the devil's advocate to your argument is that Stefan Diggs, per all the metrics out there, is the best contested ball catching receiver. So when you have a guy that can go up and get the ball, and he's not the biggest receiver in the league. It's not like he's Megatron, you know, 6'5", like Megatron was. It's not like he's, you know, A.J. Green or anything like that. But he's such a physically smart runner, and he is such a physical receiver, you know, one-on-one with a corner, that he can go up and get the ball. It's just his natural ability. Josh Allen is not known as one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the league, but I guarantee you Allen can put it in his radius and Diggs can go get the ball. That's the type of receiver that Allen has needed since the day he was drafted by the Buffalo Bills, and they haven't had that receiver on this team. I know John Brown had a really good year. Um, He's more of a stretch-the-field guy. Cole Beasley is a really smooth slot receiver, very savvy slot receiver. Stephon Diggs can run any route, as you said, one of the best route runners in the league. I think Josh Allen's ability to extend a play is his greatest attribute. And the one receiver that I saw bail out Kirk Cousins time and time again was Stephon Diggs. So I think that this move is actually going to really help Stephon Diggs as well as Josh Allen, because both players like to extend plays. Diggs has the awareness to come back for the ball or run to the opposite side of the field that Allen is on. And from what I've seen so far, you know, they're obviously working out in T-shirts and shorts right now. But they have been grinding, trying to work together and get in sync as much as possible, which in this day and age, it's pretty tough to do that. Um, so they've been trying I, I, like heck I was to, right. to we make do have that the happen. same take on this. Um, but to add to your point here, I actually think that he's going to make this <laughs> offense so much more dynamic. I think going in, everybody kind of knew that you were a run first offense and it was kind of going to be play action. Um, like you're saying, Josh Allen, play breaks down, scrambles, tries to make a play. Um, where I think this is actually going to let Allen become a little bit more of a standard pocket passer and have that ability to tack on to it. Um, I think, like you're saying, adding that number one is never going to hurt your team. I think it actually is going to give you the opportunity to put people in the positions that they actually belong playing, where Diggs is going to be able to take that coverage. Um, Brown's going to be able to roll into that number two role now where he's not going to get the double coverage or he's not going to have so much safety attention where he can burn down the field. And then Beasley can get be that one-on-one guy with the linebacker or the safety, whoever it may be. Um, and people go into their natural positions where it, it's just going to, if it doesn't alleviate, well, elevate Diggs' numbers, it's going to elevate Allen's numbers in that sense for sure. Um at worst, you get younger and he becomes just a similar player to John Brown. I, I mean, last year they had such similar numbers just from the get, get-go. They, they, I think they were about 10 catches apart. They had very similar numbers in yardage. Their yards per catch were were within a yard or two. They had the same touchdown numbers. I mean, they were almost identical. And I think now with Diggs being more, much more dominant and 
without having Thielen, if that's going to be that such a big contributor too, I think that he's going to be able to step up his catches. He'll be able to move it closer to the, the, the 80, maybe 90 catches on the year. And I think his numbers will go up just on a pure volume basis because he doesn't have such so much competition now in with this team in that sense. Yeah, and I, I think too, like this move for me, um, with Diggs being on the Bills now and, and with Josh Allen as his quarterback, Josh Allen is far more athletic than Kirk Cousins. And if Kirk Cousins could get the ball the way that he did, I, I think Josh Allen could get Stephon Diggs the ball in a lot of different ways, whether it's on an extended play um, or um, through through different, you know, different routes. There's so many things that Stephon Diggs can do. I actually think that Stephon Diggs, the, the potential of Stephon Diggs hasn't even fully been tapped into yet, in, in my opinion. Uh, and with this offense, they, they definitely have the ability to do that. They have an elusive quarterback, and they have a very unique run game as well that Minnesota, um, you know, Dalvin Cook, uh, he's, he's a very good running back, no doubt. But Buffalo's run game, I think, will be very, very solid in 2020 yeah, and as well. to speak on the run game, um, let's jump back into the draft really quickly. Um, arguably, I think the with Epineza and Zach Moss, I think you guys got two of the better picks in the draft where they were, especially not having a first-round pick. I love the addition of Zach Moss. He's a little he's bigger than Singletary. Um, he's 5'10", 222. He's not a – doesn't have blazing speed at uh, four, six, five, But he was very productive with Utah when he went to Utah. And in the third round, I mean, with losing Frank Gore, who's never going to retire, um, Zach Moss was a great <laughs> addition in the third round. Yeah, and it's funny because all the draft shows that I had leading up, whether I was on another show or whether it was hosting a show, I wanted Zach Moss on the Buffalo Bills so bad. I I, I believe I willed it into existence, you could say. I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'm losing my mind here. But the fact that they got him, was it was really the highlight of the draft for me just because I wanted him so bad. And I think that the running back position has always been my favorite <laughs> outside of quarterback on offense. I like wide receivers too. I like them all, but running backs, running backs are always really interesting to me and, and seeing how the league has shifted in this thought that running backs don't matter. Running backs uh, shouldn't be valued in the first round, all this nonsense, uh, depending on the skill set, the players have, is valued in the first round, but Zach Moss in particular is exactly what this bill's run game needed. And when I go back to that playoff game as well, Devin Singletary tried to do all he could in terms of putting forth a, a great effort in that, in that uh, playoff game, but he had nobody to back him up when Devin Singletary needed to go get a drink of water. You had Frank Gore coming in who was pretty bruised up over the course of his career and is on his last legs. And with all due respect to Frank Gore, this guy will probably be a pro football hall of famer in, in short order within the next, you know, six, uh, seven there's no years. Doubt about that. Whenever he decides to retire, yeah. add on five years to that, he's going in, I guess. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, adding Zach Moss, they have a dynamic runner in Devin Singletary that can catch passes out of the backfield that can create space that can run routes um, he does have the ability to run in between the tackles, but you don't want a Devin Singletary at five foot seven, you know, two hundred five to ten, you know, taking those shots that uh, Zach Moss is willing to take. And Zach Moss had one of the best quotes of the offseason for the Buffalo Bills. He said, "And I quote: Anybody that tries to tackle me has to make a business I love decision." And if that doesn't give you goosebumps, I don't know what will. You know, the, the Bills Mafia is going to really love this guy. And really, it's a tough, tough guess um, trying to guess which running back is going to have more yards. I just think that the run game is going to be so much better with Zach Moss. He's a great pass blocker. As you guys mentioned, not the fastest guy, but that's what Devin Singletary is for. Devin Singletary has not the, you know, Ladanian Tomlinson speed or the Sean McCoy speed, but he does have football speed. He's got great instinct. He knows what lanes to run through, how to follow his blocks. 
Zach Moss is the similar type, but he's just such a dominant power runner. Yeah, they I absolutely really look forward will complement each other. It'll be fun and, to watch them go back this upcoming season. Yeah, and an, an interesting piece on some statistics on Zach Moss. Um, every single year, his st- stats got better. His, his yards per yep. carry got better every single year. His yards per reception got better every year, and his scrimmage yards per touch got better every year. I mean, he was a very productive player at Utah. Um, and it, the Pac-12 isn't a terrible conference. We're not talking like he, he's playing, you know, no-name play. It's still a competitive division. It's not the SEC. or, But, again, he's a, he was very productive. He did have a lot of carries in college with over 700 carries and 800 touches, but um, I still love the addition in the draft it, it, for now. Like, he's ready to go now. He's not a project. Right, and that's what they've they've done this entire offseason, really. They've got guys that are ready to go now, and they've also added depth to add who I think was a really good addition that nobody is really talking about. and. I, I understand it because this is Josh Allen's team. I know that there's a lot of people out there that, that don't really believe in Josh Allen, but much like Zach Moss, you could look at Josh Allen year one to year two. His statistics got better as well in almost every category. But a guy that they brought in that I think will really help the team is Jake Fromm in the fifth round out of Georgia. Um, that was a player that I never thought they would even have a shot to take um, and that was the guy that they got in the fifth round. That Did they really need Jake Fromm? No, but having a young quarterback as well that can you know learn under Josh Allen, make Josh Allen better in the ways that Allen needs to be better, and also vice versa, make Fromm better in the way that, that Fromm needs to be better. Um, I think Fromm has a lot of talent and a lot of tools, and, and I really look forward to seeing how he's um, developed. Yeah, I, I'm not exactly high on Fromm. Um, it, he, it, his game, it, to me, he's, well, this past season was rough. There's no doubt about it. But but, he projects to me as a Matt Barkley type player. He, same skill set, athleticism. He doesn't have the strongest arm. Neither did Barkley. Um, but again, in the fifth round, it's, it's, I think he's going to be in the, in the NFL for seven, eight years as a, as a backup quarterback, he's going to have a job for a while, but he's, right. I don't see him ever. If Josh Allen goes down or leaves the team or, or just starts really regressing, I don't see him losing the job to Jake Fromm. No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go that far either. But in terms of you know getting a guy in the fifth round that has upside, you know he's got tools, he's won some big games, and he's he's led some big games. Matt Barkley's on the last year of his contract as well, so. It's that same mentality of out goes one guy due to financial reasons and in comes another that that is very similar. And I I don't think that's a bad decision there uh, by them. Yeah, I mean, Tyler really wanted him this year in New England. He he thought that he was – he wanted him the second round, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And then when he got picked, (laughs) it's like, oh, well, I guess we didn't want him. Well, I mean, he just wanted anybody. He wanted 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 the Pats to just draft a quarterback. but. Yeah, when he went in the second round, I was like, yeah, no, I, I don't blame him. But we, we went with a 32-year-old <laughs> safety who was uh, – let's not get into fuming that. over that but, pick for a solid two <laughs> weeks. It was great. <laughs> oh, two weeks. Are, are oh, you – wait, 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 wait. Are you saying that there's chinks in uh, the armor? We can talk Bill for Belichick? hours on this, Ryan. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a Belichick lover like everybody else is in New England. Um, I'm I'm a I'm a oh, lot harder okay. on him than Man, most gotta, people are. You're on my show. Um, I did not like okay. the draft this year at all. If if I had if if you were to ask me right now, would I give that team for a grade in the draft? Honestly, I'm giving them another C plus, but like the third year in a row. I, I I would agree with you on the fact that Kyle Duggar is is a project pick, and and in the second round, I actually talked about him a lot on the Crowd Assist podcast. Um, we actually dedicated the episode and called it Big Nickel because we had a lot of uh, analysts, sports reporters in Buffalo saying that Buffalo should take a safety, which I thought was 
for the lack of a better term, it was one of the dumbest ideas that you could bring to the table because you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer in Buffalo since day one. Those were the first two moves, free agency wise. Yeah, the Sean I love your secondary. They both worked out fantastic, and they have not missed a beat. Right, and, and they've not missed a beat. Yeah, so that was one that really almost annoyed me because it's not like here's a guy that we actually need, and it's not like it's a guy that went to this accomplished school. Not that that matters, but if we're going to talk second round picks, let's talk about a defensive end, which they ended up taking running back. Possibly they could have took JK Dobbins. They took AJ Epinesa instead. That, those are the conversations that I'd like to, that I like to entertain. Uh, not, not a small Who school. Is 24 safety, years old but coming out of college. Bill Belichick, Bill, Bill Belichick is, is a lot more com- accomplished than <laughs> yeah, me, he's, but he's whiffed on you know, too many picks I, I for, still, to have I that still, much confidence. In I don't that. see it. Especially when it, you had all these safeties that were, being ranked way above him. You never even heard this kid's name till the draft. And uh and we just we went with him over all these guys and it made absolutely no sense. Yeah, Antoine Winfield Jr. He he was the first safety that came off the board. And arguably I had him as like the sixth or seventh ranked guy. And our top pick on a team that's rebuilding was spent on a 24 year old safety that went to a D you know a very, very small school in Lenore Rhine. I mean, it's it's not what I was hoping for. It's no, definitely not, not the all. sexy pick that a lot of us were looking for. But I hope it works out. But you know, let's let's stay on topic with the Bills because we could go all day <laughs> complaining about the Patriots draft. Um, you know, we we talk about we, that's music to that is, that is music to my ears. It's been twenty years since it's since it's even shifted our <laughs> way slightly so i i that just brings us brings yeah you guys were my the powerhouse really before does. we took over remember that that's true yeah it, it it's kind of going back yeah. hopefully hopefully i'm not gonna you know dive into but that too soon but we talked on epineza hopefully. we talked on moss we talked on from um we're not gonna get into the kicker pick and tyler bass he, you know he's gonna he's gonna he, he, he has a chance at the roster you never know i believe you guys have house stuff Hey, I, I, I've never been one to really right. dive into kickers, but I tell you what, th- this guy, this guy yeah. has a boot. Um, the the videos that he posts on Twitter of these one-step kicks that are going through from 65, 70 yards out that are just these rainbows that get lost in the sky. I don't know if he'll be able to do that in Buffalo, but, man, I, I think Stephen House yeah. might be in some trouble. I, I can't believe I'm saying that, but he might yeah. be. But outside of that, um, bookended around them are two wideouts, big bodied guys, um, both over six foot three, and Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins. Yes. Um, both of them, six three or taller and over 210 pounds. They're big bodied guys. Um, seems, you know, last year, Beasley, there John really wasn't Brown. a third there. You know, it wasn't. No. And there wasn't anybody who could really go up and get the ball. Isaiah McKenzie. Right, right. And and that. Yeah. Yeah, McKenzie Speed. is more of like a gadget wide receiver reverse guy. Um, and and uh, Robert Foster had a really big year for Buffalo the year before. Um, towards the end of the season, you know, he was on a really productive stretch where he had like 600 yards in, in five or six games um, combined or six six or seven games, something like that. Um, and he got hurt in the Cleveland game. He made a real big play, real big first down. He got pushed out of bounds, and he messed up his uh, messed up his knee. Um, so he was out for a little bit. Um, but the, the player that everybody really tried to rally around in Buffalo was a guy by the name of Duke Williams, uh, former Auburn receiver, was a CFL Stand out, um, went to the CFL due to the fact that he, had, that he had a lot of off the field issues that really put him out of the NFL limelight. He went into the CFL, comes to Buffalo from Edmonton, playing for the Eskimos. And they, they, it, it, there was a phrase in Buffalo, it was called Keep Duke Williams a Secret. And it was just the fact that maybe were they saving him for the stretch run of the playoffs? I don't know, but from weeks one to like 10. Duke Williams never played and it was true. He wasn't even on the active roster. He was inactive for all these games. And it was like, why not put Duke Williams out there? But now there will be a uphill climb 
for Duke Williams and Robert Foster to to make the roster due to the fact that they drafted Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Hodgins. And I think that also you have two receivers that you drafted that were extremely productive at the collegiate level. So I look forward to seeing how that pans out. Davis is a big-bodied guy that can go over the middle, um, catch the ball, reach out, grab it, and run with it. He's got that ability to just reach for the ball, take two steps, and, and he's he's gone. He's got, I wouldn't say, you know, elusive speed, but very savvy football speed. Um, and uh, Isaiah Hodgins it w- was a touchdown machine for Oregon State. So very underrated picks there. And, and for a draft that was loaded with wide receivers, those were two wide receivers that were looked at as good late-round additions. Yeah, and I do sure. like the fit because, again, last year it was John Brown – Beasley, and then go ahead, the Tim. I know you where you want to go with list, this. Really, it was, and I, I'm very high on him. Is Dawson Knox? I mean, he played 15 games last year, 50 targets. <laughs> um, of 15 of his 28 catches were first downs. The issue with him last year was he dropped 10 passes. Yeah, he led, I believe he led all tight ends that played as many as 15 games, I'd assume, oh, wow, that's in a, drops. I, didn't know that's I, I would that, assume that that is, that is a right statistic. But, uh, you know, I tell you, yeah, so so that that's that's not, it's it's a good stat, but it's not a good, it wasn't a good stat for him last year. I'm hoping that that fixes itself this year. But I tell you, like, in terms of what we talked about before, with Stefan Diggs coming on board, who it would help and how it would help the offense. And we talked about how it would help Allen. That's that's the mm-hmm. most obvious one. Talked about how it would help the offense because they need that wide receiver one. But what ways is it going to open up the offense? What players are going to benefit from getting better looks, um, whether it's from you know Dawson Knox being covered by a linebacker or Dawson Knox being covered by a undersized corner or a, or a slow safety? Um, I think Dawson Knox, and I'm, and I'm going to be on record and say this, I think the offensive player on the Buffalo Bills that has the most potential to break out is Dawson Knox. This is a guy that I zeroed in on during the Buffalo Bills training camp. Dawson Knox with the ball in his hands is a freight train. He, he loves to run people over. He loves to stiff arm. And for a guy that you go back to his Ole Miss days, they actually traded up to draft Dawson Knox uh, out of the draft, and he didn't even have a touchdown uh, at Ole Miss. The the I don't even I don't know if he if, if it was that he didn't have a touchdown in the year that they drafted him, or he hadn't had a touchdown in two years, something crazy like that. It was because they had DK Metcalf and Hollywood Brown. They were they were chucking the ball deep to those freak wide receivers that Dawson Knox just got left you know left in the dust, but. Josh Allen loves throwing him the ball. And as you said, 15 of, of uh, what was the stat about this first downs? Yeah, 15 of his down down right there. Right. And when Josh Allen likes to roll out and extend plays, he's just looking for the most open guy. And more oftentimes than not, it was Dawson mm-hmm. Knox. And if that was the case when Knox was on an offense that didn't have Stephon Diggs on it, I- I'm sure. Never mind the he, case with that big with body for those type of things when he, Allen starts Knox. rolling out and starts scrambling. And he can block too. I mean, that's, that's real. You know, we, we get so um, in, we fall in love with these tight ends that can catch, you know, and be receiving threats. But I think that's the Gronkowski effect that, that has been, you know, bestowed upon the league, but not everybody's Rob Gronkowski. Of course, I would say, you know, much to your Patriots credit, not only did you have the greatest quarterback, you, you probably had the greatest tight end as well. He's the best tight end I've ever seen. And he's from my own backyard in Williamsville here. So um, I, I would definitely say Rob Gronkowski's up there. But Dawson Knox can block too. You know, he opened up a lot of running lanes for Devin Singletary. Yeah, I, don't think and people give I look forward to seeing him develop. I really think he's going to be catch. a breakout player. It, it really keeps them on the field and it gives them more opportunities and a lot more chances to have looks whether it's in the play action or things like that, um, when, they, when they do have that big body set in, then it gives it, them more opportunity. It really does. I agree. I agree, Ty, because, you know, the thing that I've learned a lot lately in the NFL is you have to have the ability to do everything. If you, because if, if as a tight end, if you can't block, if they take you out and bring in somebody else, 
that means they're more likely to run the ball. Now you t- it's just like with the Patriots backfield last year. I know it's we keep going back on the Patriots, but you know when when no, Sony Michelle right. was no, in you, the game playing a little, it's okay. When Sony Michelle was in the game, the Patriots were running the ball. It was obvious. When James was White blatant. was in the game, they you were knew passing what was the coming. Ball. It was obvious, and every team knew it, and they stacked the box, and then it just it, you were so one dimensional with every team. So with Dawson Knox's ability to block. It gives you the ability to run the ball, play action, or because remember, when you're bringing in your packages, you don't know what's happening if he's still on the field. But if a guy like, you know, Dwayne Allen, for instance, or a a Lee Smith, these guys that are known as blocking tight ends, if they're in the game, you're more likely to bring in your heavier packages and you're more likely to bring in more linebackers than corners and safeties. Because you have to, you're getting ready for the run. But if he can do you both, you have to respect it. You have to have, you have to, you may be caught in a mismatch because now you're getting ready for the pass. And next thing you know, he's, he's, he has a mismatch blocking a, a safety on the edge or, you, you know, and yeah, I think the point he has that skill is that set is where I'm it, when you have these more versatile players, it really gives you more opportunities and more, more openings. And it really opens up the offense with way more potential and different types of plays that you can do out of different formations. Is that a good way to sum that up, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I just couldn't get the word out. <laughs> um, so we were able to talk about the draft. We talked about free agency. We talked about digs. Um, now, the, other, the last thing I really wanted to do, well, there's two more things. Next, I wanted to touch on. Oh, I love this topic. Josh Allen. Now, the more you dig yeah. into Josh See, Allen, I don't. I love the Josh more confused Allen. I get. But the reason why is because, yes, he, he, he's very versatile with the ball in his hands. He has a strong arm. And last year, he did a pretty good job of not turning the ball over. He, it, it's, I'm so confused because I'm going to start rattling off some numbers and then I'll let Ryan take over and Ty can touch as well. But he, he had the worst completion percentage in the NFL last year, at 58.8%. He had the tied for the most fourth quarter comebacks with four. He, had, he was tied for the most game-winning drives with five. He didn't take a tremendous amount of sacks, only 38, which is about in the 20th percentile, so it's not terrible. And he ran for over 500 yards, threw for over 3,000, and, and threw for 20 touchdowns. But and he ran for nine. And he ran for nine. <laughs> but what really concerns me with him is the completion percentage. But the stats with the fourth quarter and game-winning drives show he has he doesn't really get shy of the moment. And I know we're not talking about him being one of the clutchest players of all time, but. Last year in the fourth quarter, he was good. Last year in the fourth quarter, he was great. Uh, the, the, I agree. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, def- we'll definitely dive in. And I really enjoyed that, by the way. If, if, even the moments where, you know, there were good things or bad things, I really enjoyed that. I love the way you laid that down for me. So in order for me to dive into Josh Allen in 2020, I do have to go back to the beginning just a little bit. And the beginning refers to the draft of 2018 when it was blatantly obvious that Buffalo needed a quarterback. Tyrod Taylor was just so he was so average. He just wasn't the guy. Um, so average. Yeah, they needed somebody that was big, strong, that could sling it wherever, you know, 70 yards if, if need be. And, and that's what they drafted. And there were so many people that thought that Josh Rosen was the right guy for the Buffalo Bills, at least in this area, that – when the Bills pick was announced by Commissioner Roger Goodell, they said the Buffalo Bills select quarterback Josh, and everybody cheered. Oh, and when they man. said Allen, you would have thought that someone's dog <laughs> got run over. I mean, not to not to sound not to sound not to sound you know bad, but it was like that. It was oh my god, they took the project from Wyoming from small fireball. California. I didn't even know Fireball California existed until Josh Allen was drafted. So this guy comes from very small town, counted out, 
Nobody believed in him. Nobody gave him a shot at a scholarship offer. He gets a two-year offer from a community college, plays there for a couple years. Then the only scholarship offer he does get is from Wyoming and the coach that coach Carson Wentz for a fun trivia fact there. And he gets drafted by Buffalo. He comes in, no offensive line. He made the most of it. This next season, we talked about all the things that we've talked about in the show. One thing you can say, and it's without, without debate, Josh Allen has made the most of what he hasn't and has had. And anyone that disagrees with that, I, I, I tell you to check the stats. And, and we went into the stats, 20 touchdowns passing, nine touchdowns rushing. Josh Allen has more rushing touchdowns than Saquon Barkley. That, if, if that, is, that is pretty interesting stat. And that is a pretty interesting dynamic to his game that I hope it doesn't fully continue. But I think that more than anything, Josh Allen was the right fit for this city, for this team. And there's been moments where, not just in the fourth quarter where he took over games, but moments where he made that wow play that ignited the offense. The play against the Minnesota Vikings last year where he um, hurdled over Anthony Barr. The play against the Dallas Cowboys where it was a fourth and or third and short and he fumbled the ball in a quarterback sneak. He dropped the ball in a sea of 300-pound offensive and defensive linemen. He scoops it up, runs it through the line for the first down. Those are the moments that are never measured on a stat sheet. And those are the moments that I think make Josh Allen this very intriguing player that will allow people to say, what is his ceiling? To me we haven't even scratched the surface of, of his potential yet. He's entering year three. You're hoping as not just a bills fan, but somebody that wants to see some new blood, a quarterback uh, in the NFL, you hope that this guy makes that big step from year two to year three. And obviously adding Stefan Diggs should accelerate that should, should make that better for Josh Allen. Um, I think, in previous years, Buffalo was more worried about getting the quarterback that they thought could help them win rather than getting the right leader. And the one thing I know about the quarterback position from watching you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, you could have the attributes of a Peyton Manning, but the leadership of Tom Brady in the end is, is what helped win a lot of those games for New England. Can Josh Allen be that yeah, guy? I, love that I think he's got a lot um, of ability to for be me, that coming guy in, as far as his I'm really excited ability. about Josh Allen simply because of the fact that all the numbers that I want to see are all moving in the right direction. I think coming in to the draft, I think he was the rawest quarterback in that whole class. Um, and I think since then, we've only seen improvement. I mean, his rookie year, he played 10, uh, 11 games, and he's up, what, five more games this year, and he's doubled just about all of his numbers, whether it's QBR, um, his passing numbers were, were he could put another 1,000 yards, he doubled his TDs, his interceptions went down. Um, every every pliable stat, his yards per game went up. Anything that you could think of is, is going in the in the positive direction. Um, and like you said, adding Diggs, uh, Zach Moss, that offense getting more dynamic, I think it's just po- pointing towards him just to keep growing. And I think he's got so much more room to grow if he can become a better pocket passer. And now he's not so much of a – just escape artists and things of that sort where I think he's going to, he's going to develop into a really great quarterback in this league. He has the arm. If he can settle down and go through his progressions, he, he could be great. I really do think so. I think hmm. a fact too, that gets lost on people is this, this um, second season, this last season, his numbers got better in all the statistics right. that you just mentioned, but it was the first year with this offensive line. The offensive line that Josh Allen inherited as a rookie was the worst line that these two eyes have ever seen. So the fact that they were able to improve across the board that second year, they bring in Mitch Moores, John Feliciano, they draft Cody Flo- Cody, uh, Cody Ford, um, and they're able to make this offensive line a little bit better. It made that much of a difference. Any move that Buffalo has made on offense to make the offense better, it has made Josh Allen better. They've literally built this offense from Josh Allen to everything else. It's like they drafted Josh Allen and then everything else came after that. And everything they've done 
has been really positive. So I, I definitely understand where Tim is coming from when he looks at the completion percentage. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that so many pieces, including Josh Allen himself, are so new that it's going to take experience. It's going to take no, um, repetition. And he didn't, even, he didn't even play his full rookie season last year. So heading into his second season, he's technically games played, games started wise. He was still a rookie. So that, you know, you look at it that way. He didn't play a full 16 games his first year. So he was heading in to his second season playing only 11 or 12 games. And inexplicably, the Buffalo Bills decided that <laughs> he Nate was my Peterman favorite. should be the starter week one in his rookie in Josh Allen's oh, rookie God. season against the Baltimore. So we we have to we have to throw that down. You guys like were that, tanking that when you played that. It was so, like we need to lose this game. Nate, throw it to the other team. He reminded me of my high school quarterback. You know, I he threw more to the other team than his own team. <laughs> and we went when we play, when me and Tyler played together, we had arguably one of the worst teams in the area for um high school football. But our quarterback was probably the worst around. He threw the ball to the wrong team more than he threw it to the right team. And that's what that's what he looked like out there. But I mean with, with Josh Allen, he's a running back out there and he you're you're right. He has the same amount of touchdowns over his career seventeen as Saquon Barkley. But I I'm just I just want to give credit when you said that they were upset that that it wasn't Rosen's name. I'd be very happy to have Josh Allen over Josh Rosen right now. Oh, one hundred percent. And that's the beautiful thing about sports is you can go back and and look at oh, what did people think about this guy at this time? How did this guy pan out? How did this guy not pan out? And to me, the moment I realized that Josh Allen would pan out is how he reacted to not getting the starting job when he was first drafted. How he reacted to Nate Peterman getting the starting job. I I said to myself and to my dad at the time, we were watching the TV at the time. I was at my father's house. And I said, um, in short order, he'll be the starter. So let, let's not even worry about it. Nate Peterman will do something, and, and Josh Allen will be in. The next couple hours later, because that was game day, the next couple hours later, the first first down of that Baltimore Ravens game, you can go back and check it out, was Josh Allen's first pass. So the, the guy, he, he makes the Bills' chance at winning exponentially better. There has not been a quarterback in Buffalo in recent memory that can play with this edge that he has. And there was a photo that went around of him on Twitter. I remember when Buffalo drafted him and it was him in a Tom Brady jersey. And dare I say it, I, I see a lot of similarities. Maybe not in the accuracy, maybe not in the completion percentage quite yet, but the guy just has this edge to him that all the players on the Bills love to play for this guy. And, and that's what I think counts. That's what I think will count this season yeah, especially. I get it. Uh, it's going to be a def- definitely an interesting year for that offense, and, and I'm, I have no worries about that defense whatsoever. But I do have one more question for you before we hop off. So I've always wanted to know this sure. because Buffalo is a very strong fan base for all their teams. Who is the team of choice in the NBA for the Buffalo area? <laughs> oh, man. You know, I would say the team of choice would probably be, man, unfortunately, probably the Knicks. Uh, and, and they've been really bad for a long time. I mean, it's really tough because I, I think basketball is, is a little bit, it's a little bit different because it's so such a global sport. You know what I mean? That there's players from all around the world playing on, playing on all the teams. I would yeah. say Toronto. Actually, that's what I thought. If I could, pick, I, yeah, I, I would say think Toronto. that would be a big Brooklyn yeah. following. And I was curious if the whole New York versus right. Buffalo thing would keep them away from the Knicks, and Toronto is somewhat close. So I thought it would be Toronto, but yeah, Tor- I, w- I would say Toronto. I I thought of the Knicks for for a moment, but the last few years, I would yeah, I mean, it's probably say easier Toronto. to roof, uh, be a Toronto fan two three the, the last three years or so because they did bring a championship home two years ago. But 
even dating back to oh, the Vince I Carter days, years. I would say. I'm a big basketball too. guy, but yeah, the, um, the, yeah, I'm a huge Vince Carter fan. Yeah. Uh, but all right, well, that's all I have. Um, Ryan, I want to thank you for for joining us. Yeah, without a doubt, man. It was a great episode. It was and, great talking to you. Of course, thanks for having um, me, guys. I really appreciate it. it again. This was a great time. Yeah, definitely. I'll have you guys on and we'll dive into the AFC East a little bit too. And I definitely got to pick your brain about this oh, new look New England Patriots team. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And again, we'll make and again guys, uh, for those listening, uh, this is Ryan Thomas with the Thomas Take Sports Podcast as well as the Crowd Assist Podcast. So definitely check him out when you have some time. He's a great listen, uh, as you could tell from our episode. Um, Ryan, again, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Take I, I, care. I can't say I can go with you, but Hopefully they can win the AFC. Go, for sure, man. There we go. <laughs> you Take got care, it. guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks.